Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. We're looking at Matthew's gospel today, John the Baptist in the River Jordan, a really provocative passage. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all in the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, John the Baptist is telling the people to prepare, to get ready, and uh, he is not mincing his words either, is he? Get ready or, or else. There's a gift to be about, to be, about to be given, so, so get ready to receive it. It's Advent. It's the four-week season preparing us for Christmas. As I shared with the children, we're in the second Sunday of Advent. How many Sundays do we have left? Two. We're getting closer. We, human, we believe that, that God became human in the birth of Jesus the Christ, celebrating His birthday as we do. This happened, and we're glad it happened. We believe in Advent. We prepare for this birth and we remember that Jesus is coming again to usher in all time unto Himself. But we also believe in between time 
that Christ is with us, that Christ has come and is being born in our midst even as we gather reflecting upon the past and celebrating a holy birthday and looking ahead with, as John would lead us to believe, a little fear and trembling to the second coming of the the Messiah. We pray as we think of this Christ coming to us now that he would be born again in our hearts and miracle of miracles that we might, if it were even possible, be born anew in his heart as he comes to us. As a child, I had some trouble understanding the season of Advent and Christmas. I understood that Jesus had come and that we had a birthday to celebrate, but it was a little like celebrating the birthday of a dead president. Somebody who existed, but I didn't know. Nevertheless, as we thought back to that birthday celebration, I was aware and I could apprehend a little bit, even as a little child, its wonder and awe and beauty and mystery. Um, I could even understand a little bit about its political outrage, that the Most High God would be born among poor people in a manger, And that the angels coming to proclaim this good news would share it first, not with people in power, but with lowly shepherds, the blue collar, the the unlanded, the, the itinerant. I could get a little bit of that political outrage in that beautiful story. So I had some sense of this birthday we're celebrating, this past event we're commemorating. And I also had the vaguest apprehension that Jesus was coming again. And I wasn't sure if he was coming like the father who lovingly welcomes the prodigal home, who runs to the end of the lane to catch him as he comes into the drive, or if he was welcoming us like the shepherd who who welcomes the flock who knows and loves him, or carrying lightning bolts. I wasn't sure, but Jesus was coming again. And this was good news. The the creator of the whole cosmos would come, would return naturally for the final harvest. I could apprehend these things pretty well as a a little boy and as a growing man, but the idea that Jesus was going to be born again in my heart at Christmas, this took some, some real thinking, some real wondering. And I did it, I remember, most profoundly at Christmas night. We would gather for service on Christmas night at my home church. My parents didn't come. These good church people were too tired. My mom, she said, each year was too pooped to pop. She had hosted and cooked all day. And dad had to be at work the next morning at 7 o'clock with a suit and a tie and a smile. And they couldn't come to a 7 o'clock Christmas night worship. Not many of us did. But those who did, we gathered in the blue light of that sanctuary. And one by one, we were invited up for communion as as family units. As family units. Of course, I was sitting alone. So by the time it came to my pew, I would get up. And somebody, every year it happened, somebody would grab me. And they would take me with their family. And I was adopted for the night. I was welcomed. And even then, I knew that that it was holy ground. It It was... awesome and beautiful and sacred and Jesus was there welcoming me at that at that table but what about the days after Christmas where did Jesus go 
the day after Christmas and the day after that? Had somebody boxed him up and put him in a closet in the upper shelf so he didn't get him uh, dirty or bent or used up? Save him for next year? Did Jesus... Did Jesus kind of disappear had I not opened my heart wide enough for him to stay with me the year round? Had I not been looking hard enough? Had he decided not to stay? Was Jesus just this Christmas apparition? Or, and this terrified me, had Jesus decided just simply not to stay with me? Yeah, Advent and Christmas, a beautiful, a beautiful season of mystery and wonder. I've been turning these things over in my head ever since I was a child, ever since I was born, raised up in the church by people like you. What a beautiful, beautiful season. In Cuba, last uh, week or two ago, I broke bread with our team of Rachel and Judy and Carol broke bread with the shepherds with the shepherds in in Cuba these are the ones eking out a living in a land with empty grocery stores the cost of pork has doubled each year for the last three and you can't find pork very easily anywhere You have to use the black market. You have to have euros to do it. That's the way the economy below the economy works. The only new vehicles on the road are the beautiful brand new Chinese buses. And unless you're the tour guide, Cubans aren't welcome on those buses. We took a ride to a dinner in a 1977 Russian Lada. It had no shocks. The roads were filled with potholes. And we drove like this. And it was really a wonderful ride in this ancient car. And we got there and the driver said, we made it, praise the Lord. (laughs) We had dinner with the shepherds. We broke bread with them. Our brothers and sisters there watching their flocks by nights around campfires with meager provision. And they told me of the most fantastical stories of angels, of heavenly song, of glorious delight, of a birth in the barrios of Havana. And they left their flocks and they took us by the hand, their eyes shining, and they introduced us to the Christ who lives among them the inebriated Christ who sleeps on the stone steps beneath the fountain. Jesus, the dancing one, who takes our hand and leads us in the line dance on Sunday night with the Cuban band cooking. Jesus, the thoughtful one, hunched and alone in a sanctuary she thinks is empty, praying to God. Jesus, the bus driver, who takes both hands off the wheel to to wave at his friends on the street corners. Jesus, the old woman, who might just be enjoying her last cigar jammed in her smiling, toothless mouth. Jesus, the women with soft hands, 
who cook our meals and wash our dishes. Jesus, the children, pulling at our shirts, eager to see the Americanos. They left their fires at night and they took us to introduce us to the Jesus they knew, to the Jesus in whom they were in relation, the Jesus they served. And we took off our shoes because that's what you do when you're standing on holy ground. John the Baptist comes to us mightily splashing around at the edge of the Jordan River. I really have no idea what he's doing, except he's making a big noise. He's, he's looking above the heads of all those who've gathered. He's looking to the horizon. He's looking for the one who is to come, Jesus the Christ. And he's, he, John, is preparing the way. He's baptizing with water when he knows the one who is coming baptizes with fire and the Spirit. John is looking above the heads for Jesus to come. He's preparing the way and he's telling us, you get ready by confession. You get ready by repentance, by, by turning away from sin. You, you get ready by humility, by stripping down, ridding yourselves of pretension and commercialism and all the stuff that holds us back and down. You get ready by stripping down and by washing up. John has, to come, has come to prepare the way. And he's eagerly, in this text, he's so eagerly looking, looking for Jesus. Just like us, looking. We're lighting the candles. We're pondering the images on the tree. We're preparing in the midst of much busyness. We're looking for a slow moment, open to the idea that Christ could come to us when we least expect it. We're waiting, we're hoping, we're looking for Jesus. And could it be, I wonder, could it be, and I think it is, that we will have discovered that Jesus was with us all along While we are waiting, come. While we are waiting, come. Jesus our Lord, Emmanuel. While we are waiting, come. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.